Hello and welcome to the Praise Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com. All right, I'd like you to get your Bibles today and open them to the Gospel of Mark, the second Gospel of the four, and uh, we'll go to chapter 4, verse 1. We'll go all the way through verse 20, but, but we'll read a big section and then we'll take the last several verses uh, one by one as we walk through the points that we have today. This, uh, you know, get ready to do a, a sad sound here so that it make me feel good, but um, this is our final message in the series that we've been doing, Living on Purpose. See, that helps me so much. I appreciate that. But, um, but uh, you know, we've been, we've been working through this idea of what it means to live purposefully and to live a, a, a life where we're just going forward with purpose and having a purpose in our lives. So these two things uh, working together. Last week we talked about people who are the kind of people who sow hope in their own lives and in the lives of others. If you didn't get a chance to listen to it, it's always uh, available on the web. And uh, this week we're going to look, I I think, how God sows into our lives. So last week was about how we can sow into others' lives, but this week is going to be about how God can sow into our lives. So in chapter 4 of the Gospel of Mark, Jesus is teaching people along the shores of Galilee, and uh, there were so many people crowding and getting close, and, and uh, there's, uh, on a calm day especially, this is very true, that if you get in a boat or something and you set out a little bit from land, the reflection uh, of, of the voice across the water, I remember one time we were uh, doing some river camping, and we were, we were all the way across the river, and it was super calm, uh, the river wasn't moving very fast, and there was no wind. And, and, and there were people talking. I mean, it was a lot. You could, you could barely see a tent over there. But I could hear some of the things that they were saying all the way across the, the river. So hopefully they didn't say anything they shouldn't have. But, uh, but it's true that there is something to that. So, so Jesus is, get, is teaching along the shores, and he has to get inventive about how he addresses them. So we're going to start in verse 1, follow along, Mark 4, 1. Here we go. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching, he said, listen. Everybody say, listen. Listen. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked out the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone... The twelve and others around him asked about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Now listen to this next verse. Listen to what comes next carefully. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? What does that tell us about this parable? This parable becomes the master key, if you will, to unlocking all the other parables. And we'll get to what that means in just a moment here. We'll get to understand that. But he's saying that this particular parable has, has this component to it that if we could grasp the truth that Jesus is trying to teach us, it's going to help us unlock so many other things in life. That's powerful. 
So, so then he starts out in verse 14. He says, the farmer sows the word. He sows the word. Remember I told you God's going to be sowing some things in our lives today. That, and what he's going to be sowing is the word of God today. And as Jesus begins to explain this parable to his disciples, he makes it clear that the soil now will represent four different types of hearts or four different ways people will respond to the word. Okay, hearing the word. And, and listen, the fourth type that we're going to talk about, we'll get there, we're going to work our way through them all. But the fourth type is the goal. Good soil producing a crop. That's what we're after. We talk about having purpose. We're talking about our lives meaning something and, and going somewhere. This is what we're talking about, folks, is that kind of a, a life that is productive and produces what God wants it to, fruitfulness in our lives. The first three per- represent things that either diminish or destroy God's purpose in our lives. So, so again, the soil really represents our hearts and our lives, if you will. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Uh, I pray that already in reading it and, and just talking about it a little bit, that you're already beginning to sow seed. And it's, it's my hope and it's my goal, God, that by the end of our time together today, that every heart in this place will be the kind of heart that is ready and receptive to receive everything that you have for us. For you are, you are constantly sowing good seed, Lord, through the written word and through the preaching of your word. And I pray today that as our hearts are open, that we will not only receive that word, but it will uh, have a season of growth in us that will produce great fruit 30 60 even 100 times what was planted in us we pray for this in jesus name if you agree say amen 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 so uh so jesus says listen listen you know uh, in talking about listening in terms of just the practical nature of listening you know how it works and um and inside of our uh, ears, way down by, uh, there's these tiny little hairs that are in there. And uh, this is how we hear, because sound waves uh, go through the air, depending on how, how fast they're moving. And when they come in cycles, they'll brush these hairs back and forth like that. And those are attached to, um, I'm not highly scientific in all this, I'm just giving you the general idea. Somebody's, well, that's not exactly, anyway, it's close. Okay, so... Uh, so the hairs attached to little nerve endings, and those nerve endings connect with our brain, and all of that together produces, and our, our mind learns how to interpret those signals from those nerve endings as sounds of different, and it's amazing if you think about this morning, we had all these different frequencies and different things happening, and other voices, and yet we can hear it all and kind of make distinctive things out. Isn't it amazing God's creative, like it's so genius, God, you're amazing. And so, so these little hairs, um, they, they get the sound, and, and the range of human hearing, uh, sound is transmitted by cycles, that, like a, a wave sign, I guess it is. Is that what that's called? Somebody help me. Is that right? Sign? Sine wave? Is that how I say it? Okay, a sine wave. So a, a single cycle in a second would be one beat per second. You got that? When you get up to about 20 beats per second or 20 waves per second, that's the very lowest, and most people can't hear that low, but that's the lowest extreme of human hearing is down that low. And then the highest extreme is probably somewhere around 20. Some people say higher, but really young people can hear higher sounds, and so it could be up to 20,000 cycles per second going through and hitting the, and vibrating those hairs that fast, and you can pick it up. And so this is how it works. To give you some re- point of reference, the bass guitar that plays those low notes, when they play that E open string, that's about 40 
cycles. That's how low that gets. So it's getting down there quite a way. But you play the highest note on a piano, you're at about 4,200 cycles, okay? Which, which seems like a very high note, but it isn't really that high. Mariah Carey has recorded the highest sung note, which was, is uh, the, the highest C on the piano is a, it's called a C8. If you come back down just to the G below that, that's the highest ever recorded sung note. That's a high note. <laughs> so, so, so we're talking a lot of cycles really fast. But, but as you go, human hearing gets, can pick up these really high sounds. And after a while, they become like uh, just these things that are so uh, kind of annoying, kind of like a mosquito, right? Like really high and even higher than that. And um, do you remember, and speaking of that, do you remember a few years ago, it was a ringtone that all the young people had, right? Do you remember this? Okay. And all, all the youth, like they'd sit around my house and they'd go, they'd be like, they'd be just turn it on and they'd all look around the room and then all the young people would go, oh, oh and, and I'd be sitting there like, what, what, what's going on? You know, because they have, their hearing is more, they're able, uh, things, you know, everything is better when you're young in terms of your uh, elasticity, I guess we would call it, or whatever. But they could, they could pick up those high sounds, whereas the little, poor little hairs in my ear are just like, ah, they got nothing, you know. Honestly, at my age, I'm probably, the highest level of hearing is probably 14,000 hertz like that. I mean, 18 is really high for most people to ever hear, but 14, maybe even less than that. And that's, that's pretty, pretty normal for someone that's my age. No comments right there. Okay. So, so, uh, so this is how hearing works. And, you know, Jesus is saying listen. And, of course, he's saying more than just listen with your ears. But, but, there, but, but it starts with our ears in most cases. Even, even think about it. I think a deaf person, in the sense that Jesus is saying, can listen, right? Is that right? You, you're making that transition? So as we get older, our hearing deteriorates because the little hairs and everything in our ears become a little less responsive. Uh, I, the, there, there are, in my ears, there are the little hairs, and then there's these mutant hairs that, that just kind of, you know, another sign of age, I guess, right? So, ah, that's freaky. That shouldn't be. Okay. Uh, I uh, read this the other day. Uh, an older gentleman was telling his neighbor in this retirement home that he had just bought a new hearing aid. And he said, it cost me $4,000. It's state-of-the-art. It's absolutely perfect. And the other guy says, really? He says, well, what kind is it? And the guy says, oh, it's about 1230. <laughs> but sometimes hearing, uh, hearing something, and this is kind of an important thought, is not the inability to hear, but, it's, but you may have like a hearing problem called selective hearing. Anybody relate to what I'm talking about here? Um, over, over time, there's a uh, tendency to sort of tune out things that you don't want to hear or you think it's unimportant or maybe you think you've heard it before. And it's interesting how you're, and, and I think, guys, I just got to be real with you. This is something that we have to really be careful about because I'm not, you know, I hate to pigeonhole anybody, but just honestly, I, I, I see it more, you know, just the other day, I won't name it, names Aaron Brun, <laughs> um, but... <laughs> But we're at youth, and, and his wife comes up to him and says uh, something about, um, so youth is on Tuesday, which is the day of our anniversary. And he says, yeah, I don't see any problem with that. We'll be okay. And, and she's looking at him. I'm going, I just put a little hand on his shoulder. I said, Aaron, Aaron, Aaron. What she's saying is that she wants you to take her out and not, not do youth that night. Oh, oh, so... So, brothers, we've got to help each other at this, at this level. We really do. 
Selective hearing. <laughs> it, 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 let me back up a bit. He had already told me when we met for lunch that he uh, was going to, they were going to celebrate that weekend. So in his mind, he was thinking, okay, we're going to have already celebrated. But to her, it was important that it happened that day. Fair. Okay, I didn't want to throw you too far under the bus. <laughs> but selective hearing, um, <laughs> I, I, it, sometimes it's not, the, again, the problem with hearing, but what we're hearing. I saw this cartoon here that, uh, if you put it up there for me, Josh. Josh is doing a great job today. So this is what wives say. Go to the store, lay down the mulch, wash and wax the car, get the kids at school, rent some videos, and finish the rest of the dishes. What the husband here is, go, lay down, and get some rest. <laughs> And this has led many women to think about, if Jesus were here right now, what would we do? And maybe this is helpful uh, for what would be uh, the next thing that would need to be done here, is uh, I want you to heal my husband's selective hearing. <laughs> so keep praying, ladies, it may happen, you never know. All right, moving on. So again, the very first word that Jesus says in this parable is listen. This is, it's written in the, in the Greek language, it's in the imperative present tense, which means be listening. In other words, don't just listen once, but be a listener, is more what the Lord is trying to say to us. And he's, even if you're older and your physical hearing is diminished, or you have selective hearing, uh, that doesn't mean that our spiritual hearing has to be. And in fact, I would like to suggest that these things crisscross one another, that hopefully over time, though our physical hearing may diminish in some ways, that our spiritual hearing ought to be on the increase and getting better and bigger and wonder more wonderful as time goes on. Doesn't that just seem to make sense? So thank God that we, we can still hear in the way that I believe Jesus really needs for us to hear. And so, so even if, uh, uh, when it comes to the book of Revelation, seven times Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church he's not talking about auditory hearing but give god the glory hearing you like how i did that right there yeah. i worked hard on that little saying anyway but but so jesus saying listen be listening and then listen to these soil conditions now as we go through them and see if there's some adjustment we need to make each one of us in our hearts the first soil that he talks about is a hard soil or a heart well, let's talk about a hard heart here and so we're going now to verse 15. You can follow along if you still get your Bible open there. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Now this happens because, again, the seed has fallen on the path. Path is a place where everybody's walking and where it's hard packed. And it, it's exposed to the enemy, in this case the, the birds of the air. But, but this is in you know, a spiritual sense when we are shallow in our lives and don't have any depth. It's very easy for the enemy to come along and to steal the word of God, quickly snatching up the word. So there's no hope for being fruit, fruitful in our lives. No hope. It, none whatsoever. So, listen, I've got to tell you, soil, if you think about it, for all of us, our hearts, they don't start out being hard. They start out fresh. Like you look at a child, the soil of a child's heart is receptive and deep and open and ready to receive. But over time, things happen, and there are things, and, and either we trample our own lives down by, by you know, uh, sin in our lives and different things, or it can happen that other people do that to us. And, uh, and so, from, so from time to time, again, we can harden our own hearts. A preacher can preach an amazing message and bring the word to us and throw out that seed from the word of God, but we've become hard-hearted and we don't hear it. And I just want to say that, that, 
like you think back to Genesis where, um, excuse me, Exodus, where the story of Pharaoh comes along. And, and Moses comes to him and he says, let, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no way. And it says his heart was hard, right? Remember this? And then it goes along, and we get to the sixth time. Now, the six, he went through five times where it says Pharaoh hardened his heart. And we get to the sixth time, and uh, Mo- Moses says, let my people go. And then it says this. It says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And we, you know, every, I've had so many people, I need to talk to you about this, Pastor Sal. What? Well, what's this deal about God hardening hearts? And so I have to take him there. I'll show you. Okay, how many times did he harden his heart first? Five on his own. And so, really, when you get to the end of it all, there's only three times out of ten times that God ends up hardening his heart, and he chooses to harden his heart eight out of So, number one, God gave him plenty of chance to open up his heart and not be hard-hearted. So, but sometimes God is going, okay, if you're going to keep sowing that kind of a thing in your life, this is the reward you're going to reap, and so a hard heart can come along because of that. But, but so, so, sometimes... Uh, we get hard. So the first way we get hard in our hearts is we harden our own hearts, is what I'm talking about. But the second way we can become hardened, again, is when people, other people trample on us. And that, if that describes you, I want to say to you today, I'm so sorry that anyone would treat you that way, that, that you would be mistreated in any way, whether that treatment was uh, abuse in some kind of physical form or some kind of uh, verbal abuse or just somebody that disregarded you, somebody that didn't love you like they were supposed to. Whatever caused the hardness to happen, whatever pain was afflicted over you, I want you to know that God is weeping over that pain as well today. It isn't His will for you to live this way. And in in this case, it's not your fault. In some cases, we harden our own hearts, but in some cases, it's not our fault that our soul uh, got hardened and that the soil of our hearts got hardened. But i got to tell you something, that it is our fault if we stay that way. Because no matter how bad it's been, no matter how rough it's been, no matter how hard-packed that soil is, God will give you the ability to till it up again and be fresh again in Him. He will make you a new creation every single day if you'll allow it. So go after God and go, go. let God speak into your life and let Him talk to you. Don't remain in a hardened place. No matter how much we've suffered, the ability to change and have a soft heart comes again because God will help us do that. It's a choice we make for ourselves. I want to just emphasize something as we're starting to go through this. There is no problem with the seed. Right? The Word of God is perfect, honestly. The Bible... It, testifies of itself. It's, it, it, and so the Word of God could be preached to people who have hard hearts, but it could be preached to people who have open hearts, and they receive it, and it works perfectly as it should. And there's nothing wrong, listen, this is the other thing to think about. There's actually nothing wrong with the soil itself. It's the condition of the soil. Do you understand? You, every person in this room has the potential for soft soils, for open soil. Everybody. The second thing, so, so this will keep us uh, from this idea of having a hard heart can keep us from re- getting to a place of purpose in our lives. The another thing that will do it is a shallow heart. Picking it up now in verse 16. Others like seeds sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. There's a little bit of something happening there. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they fall away quickly. Jesus explains that this person is the person who seems to have uh, to be receptive from the outside. And at first you think, oh, there's something happening there. I can see a little bit of growth, a little bit of something. But honestly, they don't set down those deep roots and they begin to live a real shallow life in God. There's no depth to them at all. 
Ron and I tried to grow a couple of tomato plants on our deck. We've never tried that before. I don't know why. We like tomatoes, and, but we thought, well, yeah, we're going to be little farmers. You know, we're going to have a little deck farm, right, thing. So, so we buy these tomato plants. Uh, one was a little cherry tomato, and, and the other one was a, a bigger, you know, regular-sized tomato. And um, the thing about our deck, though, is it's like it's in full sun pretty much all day long. And it's extremely exposed to when there's wind coming. We kind of live a little bit on a rise. And sometimes when it gets to be a breezy, windy day. And so the worst combination in the world is that hot, hot sun with a wind going through. It really dries things out fast. And so it was a fight all summer long. We did get a few tomatoes, but nothing like we thought we would. And uh, we came to the conclusion at the end of it all, what we really needed to do was get much bigger pots that would allow those roots to go deeper. And that way, if there was an especially dry day, that they, those roots would be protected rather than dried out. Does this make sense? And so we're going to do that next year. We're going to get really big pots and grow lots of tomatoes. And uh, we're going to have tomatoes everywhere. I just believe it. But, 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 but sometimes we have people that come to us and, and, and what seems seems to be this deep passion in their lives. And then we meet with them and we start to give them responsibility and ministry in our church. And in a short time, they fizzle out. And you realize that there was no depth. There was no depth in their lives. And all it takes is for a little bit of trouble to come or for one of their friends to start to persecute them in some way for their efforts. Or, or, and then the brakes come on big time and things change. So the question we need to be asking ourselves is, what is under the surface of our lives? The shallow soil is, is usually the first one to volunteer for a new assignment. They spring up quicker, but when the sun hits, they fade fast. Rocky soil is many ways the same as the path. It's ultimately unfruitful. It's just unfruitful. There's a saying, and it's true, you can avoid growing old, but you cannot avoid, or you, you, you excuse me, let me say it again. We cannot avoid growing old, but we can avoid growing cold. And that's what we're talking about. So where, where are we struggling? Why are we struggling? Are our hearts hard or are we too shallow? The next soil type is a cluttered heart. A cluttered heart, we'll call it. Verse 18 and 19. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the, now watch what happens. The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. I would have to say as Americans, I think this might be the biggest most troublesome of the soil problems that we would have because of especially the, the with great wealth understand and I, I reminded our rooted group of this that if you make more than 30,000 a year you're in the upper one percent in the world so so whenever the bible talks about the wealthy he's talking about all of us we tend to look at the one percent in our country and think they're the wealthy you understand we're the wealthy in the world so when God is talking about wealth, the deceitfulness of wealth, well, the problem that happens with the deceitfulness of wealth is that the, the subset problem to that is, is that the worries of life begin to creep in on our lives. Because it almost the more you have, the worse, the worse worry you have. The, the, the more you think you can lose, right? And so you get fearful about it. You get worried about it. And now, now the good news is that according to a Gallup poll several uh, years ago, what they call uh, religious Americans, and some of us don't like that term religious, but these are people that go to church, that have faith in God. Let's, let's just understand what they're after in this. Those who say that this is an important part of their daily life and attend services almost every week are less likely to have been diagnosed with depression at some point in their life and uh, than those who are moderately religious or non-religious. So, so there's... This idea of worry and sorts of things, we're, we're, 
we are seeing that there is a difference between those who have faith and that those who don't. And I would dare say the more you press into faith, the less worry is going to be a problem. You know? And sometimes, like, like, it can just be an attack. The enemy throws your way. But, but, and you may, for a moment, think, well, what happened? But the, but the Lord's going to come along, you know? And if you just will, will stick with it and you don't give up, you're going to get what you need from the Lord to not be worrying about things and not uh, be freaked out. But it's sad how much wealth in our lives gets in the way of our faith. Anyone who's been on a mission trip uh, to a third world nation, see how believers everywhere do so much with so little. It's embarrassing, honestly. It's so embarrassing when you compare them to us. who seem to be struggling all the time with so much. It seems that wealth ought to free us up to do more for God, but instead it seems to do the opposite. It seems to distract us. It seems to get us, uh, we, we desire more toys and more possessions, and then we spend our whole lives dealing with all that and distracted by it. You know, you know uh, I saw another cartoon I almost put up there, but it was a guy sitting in front of a computer with ear uh, buds in listening to music and had papers all over his desk, and, and he's praying, and he says, God, I don't know why I can't hear you. Right? Sometimes maybe we just need to quiet down, turn everything off, get away, put, it, put the phone away for a while, just walk away from it, step away from the phone, right? And, and so, so there's, there's the worries, there's the wealth, but then there's this other thing that I, I like. Jesus just kind of generalizes it. He says, and it's the desire for other things. What other things? I don't know. What other, other things you want besides Jesus, right? That, that are going to distract you, that are going to pull you away. That are going to be like a weed in your life. That's going to destroy the fruitfulness that God wants you to have. We see this in parents who try to get their children involved in everything, like everything. They have sports, they have violin, they have dance, they have swimming, and on and on and on. And all these things by themselves are fine, and we like to see young bodies trained and learn musical instruments and all that. But here's what we notice in the church, is we notice that a lot of times that youth or Awana or church take a backseat to a lot of those things. And I think that's a very dangerous precedent to set, and it's a dangerous way to raise your children in such a way that they begin to think, okay, well, the God thing is way down on the list of the priorities in my life. And we don't understand that we're doing that well. We're trying to help them, and, but, but they're doing so many things. It's just other things. And so they, we end up, as adults now, with really cluttered hearts, like just a lot of clutter in there, a lot of weeds. And so I, I urge you to think through this if you've got young children or teenage children. Think it through. And I'm not saying pull your kids out of everything. I'm not saying be crazy. I'm saying let's make sure that God's stuff is, you know, it's prioritized. It's, it's, it's important. And we understand that. Paul addresses this distracted living in Philippians 4. I love I, just one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Let me just read it to you. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. And I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. And if you really learn the secret of being content like Paul, it doesn't matter what you go through in life. It doesn't matter what you face. That You can get through it. You can get through it. Be content. So let's ask ourselves right now if we have some weeding to do. Okay? Like, just say, Lord, is there some area in my life there there's weeds that I just need to get out? And, and say, Lord, just help me to get that cleaned out of my life. And determine to have hearts, first of all, that are soft, not hard hearts, deep, not shallow because of rocks and crud, and 
uncluttered, not having the weeds in our lives. And finally, this is the goal. This is what we're after is a heart of purpose, a heart of purpose. Our goal over these several weeks uh, is of living a life on purpose uh, is to get to this place right now, this moment. In verse 20, it says, Others like seed sown on good soil hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. I want to again point out no other, no other option but the last one actually produces fruit. Do you understand? All that other stuff will, ultimately will not. You might see a little bit of growth here or there in the, in the second two types of soil, but ultimately they will not produce fruit. There's only one type of soil is the open and heart that is open and receptive and, and ready. That's the heart that will produce the fruit. We've got to come to the place in our relationship with God that we uh, see nothing but good, soft, deep, uncluttered soil is acceptable. Because we see that God, God's desire for us is that we live a fruitful life. He wants us to be fruitful in every arena of our lives. This soil represents hearts that are open and receptive, ready to receive the Word of God and respond to it. That's the thing, is we, we receive it, but then there's fruit that comes out of it. It does something. It doesn't just come in. You don't just come and hear a sermon on Sunday or read your devotions daily and just walk away and think, oh, well, that was nice. But that, that, that it has an opportunity to burrow deep into us and change us and then produce fruit. If it's producing fruit, we know that it's reaching its target. It's reaching its target. And so we all have to have this heart of purpose we, where we see this incredible fruitfulness in our lives. Let me share one more passage of Scripture, and then we'll, we'll land the plane. In John 15, verses 1 through 5, up on the screen, Jesus says this. He says, I'm the true vine. still talking about this agricultural kind of sense, so bear with me a moment here. But he says, I'm the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that in me that bears no fruit. Now relate that to what we just talked about. The hearts that are hard, the hearts that are, you understand? It's like a cutoff point. It's not, listen, I just want to clarify something. It's not saying God's going to send believers to hell because they're not producing fruit, okay? I felt like somebody just a moment, does that mean I'm going to hell? No. But, but, but when it says he's cutting them off, it's like, you know, I can't, I can't continue to bless you. I can't continue to do the things in your life you want me to do if you think that having a heart like that is going to get you there. That's what God is saying right here. So then he cuts off every branch that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit... Bear fruit. Everybody say bear fruit. He prunes. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> but so that it will be, what is it? More fruitful. He says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. That's what I was just saying a moment ago. You're already, you're already righteous in Christ. It's not a matter of that. He says, remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Say, much fruit. Apart from me, you can do That should be our life motto. <laughs> in everything we do, understand that apart from Jesus Christ, we could do nothing. Nothing that's of consequence. Nothing that will last. Nothing that will we'll carry into eternity with us. And so, so this, this is not just the average fruitful person that God's after. He wants people who become, get to this place of much fruit. The, the word um, 
where, where earlier he said more fruit in verse 2. The, the word in the Greek there is plion. It's a word that means greater in quantity and excellence. So that's good. I know, you know, uh, living in the, the city where we live in here, if you listen to the radio at all, um, every once in a while there'd be an, an ad for, for the orchardists trying to sell them some kind of product that's either going to get rid of the bugs or it's going to make their fruit better, right? Have you heard some of these ads, right? Or you see it in the newspaper, I guess, if you get one of those. But there, there's just an idea of that's what we're after is, is fruit that is greater in quantity and in excellence is what we're after. But God, listen, God is, that's good, that's good. But God's not satisfied with just getting us there. He wants us to bear much fruit. This is a different Greek word. It's pulos. And that has the idea of quantity, but adds the idea of greater size, greater weight, and greater reputation over time. So it's like your orchard becomes number one in the community as you begin to get this more fruitfulness as time goes on. He's saying not just fruitful living, not just greater in quantity and better, but, but a lasting one a longer season if you will he's saying i want you to bear much fruit over the span of your life continuing season after season after season are you with me today awesome awesome worship team come on back up so god wants us to grow and be fruitful in life here's how that now here's i'm gonna get really practical so you you just register in your mind if any of this is speaking to you right now here's what that looks like he wants us to love someone we had trouble loving before He wants us to forgive someone we had trouble forgiving. He wants us to share our faith with someone that needs to hear the gospel. He wants us to be generous in ways that we've never been before. He wants us to pray and worship and have faith in new and profound ways. And I probably could have made a much longer list, but you get the idea. Remember, Jesus said, if we don't understand this parable, how will we understand any of them? The goal is good soil. If we don't have good soil, then he's speaking parables, he's speaking truth, and we're not getting it. It's not penetrating. So that's what, he's, that's what he means. He says the goal is that good soil, and, and it's, the pas- it's a, a person who's passionate and open and receptive. And they're going to understand the deeper truths of God. Then God shares another parable, and you go, man, I get that. It bears fruit in your life. You see, if our hearts are hard, understand that to break it up, it's going to be painful, but it's going to result in good. So ask yourself today, do I just have a hard heart? Man, I've had times in my life I've had a hard heart. I'm just going to be real with you. And so just just ask yourself, do I have a hard heart right now? If you do, be ready for that to hurt a little bit because say, God, dig the shovel into my heart and till that soil. Ah, that's going to hurt, but boy, it's going to feel good when it's done. Or if our hearts are shallow, understand there might be things in our life, the rocks the, 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 that are causing the shallowness, worries, deceitfulness of wealth, the desire for other things. We just say, are there some things we just need to get out? Just throw them away. Put them in a heap somewhere so that what God wants to do in us can take place. If our hearts are distracted with the weeds of life, we may need a systemic weed killer like spray some... I know Roundup's got a bad rap lately, but spray some spiritual Roundup, you know, <laughs> Lord, on those weeds and get, get rid of them. That goes down, God, not just the surface, not just, I don't want to, I don't want to just look good to people who walk by. I want to go all the way down to the very depth of that root. That's what I'm talking about, systemic. It goes all the way to the bottom of that root and says, I'm not going to let that remain. Because you know what's going to happen. You've had it happen. You say, oh, I picked that dandelion. Ha, 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 ha. And about a week later, I'm back, you know, crazy dandelions, right? So, 
so we, we will say, God, we want that stuff. We want those weeds removed all the way down. Not even a speck of that root left behind. No, no root of bitterness. No root of anger. No root of deception. No root of lying. God, get it all out. Whatever it might be. Remember, none of those will produce fruit. None of them. None of them will allow us to achieve the purpose-filled life that God wants for us. Let me remind you, you are in charge of the kind of soil you are. Don't, don't blame anybody else. I know, again, bad things have happened to all of us. Some So much worse, I can't even imagine. But at the end of the day, God will give you the strength to be the kind of soil that you need to be. In other words, you don't have to stay stuck where you are. Make a choice to become fruitful today, right? Let's stand. Believe me, God wants everyone to have a fruitful, productive, and prosperous life. He does. God is good. He's good. He's about blessing us. And He's given us everything we need for life and godliness in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to Praise Center's Sermon of the Week. Don't forget, for more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com.